You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's the Undercard. The Undercard brings you the best in hand combat sports. Featuring major interviews, current events, and the hottest ring girls from around the nation. The Undercard is sponsored by Falling Down Beer Company, Podcast and Church Studios, and is produced by Rochelle Witten. And now, here are your hosts, Brad, Cody, and Jimmy. Welcome to the Undercard, everybody. It is a big fight recap week. Obviously, something uh, huge happened in the fight world, so a lot of our talk is going to be about that. Um, later on, we have some in-studio guests, and then um, we're also going to be joined by um, Matt Frindo from uh, Lights Out Championships. Uh, the Undercard Ooh. Ring Girls will actually be working the event, too. So uh, You guys are going. Yeah. You'll be there? Yeah. yeah. I'll be there. Cool. I'll be there, too. Yeah. So first maybe. time in uh, Grand Rapids. You'll yeah. have to show me around, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, there's, I'm actually, there's actually a really cool brewery pretty close to... Uh, my house and that venue. I, I I grew up literally two miles, three miles from the Delta Park. So yeah, I like uh, like when they have shows there. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So he's launching Lights Out Championship. Um, I know. Uh, you've you've uh I've worked fought with Matt for a lot. Matt. Yeah, and He's um, a good dude. You know, I, I like to see new new promotions that have the right attitude going into it and so we wish him uh luck because it's not easy he's he's one of the only there's a there's a few good ones in michigan but he's one of the he's one of the guys that that really actually cares about the fighters and he's really he's a pretty straight shooter you know yeah and you gotta you know in this business you gotta respect that because <laughs> not all of them are all right, so let's start uh, talking, and then we're going to bring in uh, Mike uh, Reiser, who is our uh, ultimate fan also for his unique perspective. Uh, but we're joined by uh, UFC fighter uh, Cody Stamen, and uh, Jimmy's not here this uh, week because he's uh, preparing for a play. So let's roll. All right, so I thought we'd start with uh, breaking down the fight, and then we can get into all the stuff surrounding the fight. Um, first off... It it it's interesting. Here's a stat that you would you would not think of someone making this much money, but Connor is actually in boxing and MMA. He's lost the last three out of his four fights, but yet is still the biggest fighter in the world. I mean, that's like uh, kind of, I mean, be mediocre at your job and and still doing really really well financially because he he knows how to hype a fight, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But just breaking down the fight. Um, Cody did really well on his picks this week. He did 10 and 2. The uh, big one, though, he went with Connor. Um, I think I was the only one that went with Khabib. And it, it was just kind of my, my theory on it was if they fought 10 times, sure, Connor might be able to catch him two of the 10 fights. But eight out of the 10 times, Khabib would just be Khabib in wrestle him and do exactly what we kind of saw happen. There was some interesting moments in the fight. First off, um, Khabib gave him the third round stand up, so Connor can't say that uh, Khabib didn't give it to him. Khabib landed the best punch of the fight um, that caught Connor and staggered him, and 
as Cody has said many times on the show and uh, Darren has said to my son many times, if you're going to start a discipline to get into MMA, wrestling is by far the best because what you what you see there is that a superior wrestler can normally neutralize almost everything. And we've, we witnessed this with, uh, Cody's fights too. I, I think Cody's wrestling is a lot better than most of the fighters in UFC. And when Cody takes them down, it, it can just mentally break down somebody. And you saw Connor, there's a video even going around where he apologized to Khabib after the second round where he said it was just business. And Khabib wasn't having any of that. He was just like, you know, he tried to get around Herb Dean and tried to, tried to fight him some more. Um, he, wanted to basically just beat him to a pulp. I don't even think, and Cody can argue this, I don't think he was trying to get a submission with the neck crank. I really think he wanted to beat him down for another few rounds. I think that he was trying to hurt him, but I don't think he was looking for a tap there. And um, at that time, it looked like Khabib was just in total control. I think Connor wanted out. Oh, yeah. 100%. (laughs) That that jaw crank is painful right. but also uh you know the chance like you the amount of pressure you have to put on someone's jaw to really break their jaw in that position is tremendous i mean i've been stuck in it in grappling tournaments never in a fight but i've also you know it grab not grappling tournaments not high stakes no money involved and i've fought and like it hurt but i've gotten out of it you know what i mean so um I look at it like, you know, Connor, Connor wanted out of that fight. He was getting mauled and there's really nothing more frustrating, especially for an athletic guy that has, you know, good hands and and really good stand up for MMA like uh, Connor. Um, There's nothing more frustrating than being stuck on your butt, just helpless. Right. And Khabib is, I mean, he's absolute best at, at what he does. And, you know, I put my foot in my mouth because I chose Connor to win that fight because I honestly thought that he would land that big shot based on what I saw in Khabib's stand-up. I really thought he was garbage on his feet. Um, I didn't think that uh, he would get close enough to Connor. Connor's got really good footwork. I never thought he'd be close enough to, to, to get a shot. And I figured, you know, Connor's been, you know, knowing that this fight was coming up for the last year, probably. Mm-hmm. Knowing that, he's probably really stepped his takedown defense up. I, and I was wrong. It, but, you know, Connor was doing some good things with that first takedown. He was doing everything right. Uh, you know, his, he just, he's just not on the level that Khabib is. Khabib, you know, he, he was, he took a bad shot, barely got in on a leg. Connor was, you know, trying to hit that butt drag and he was doing everything right. He was trying to flatten his hips out. He was technically from like a technical standpoint, he was doing everything right. Khabib was just relentless. He just never gave up on that. Right. On that leg. You know what I mean? Even if when he was in a bad position, that's just, that's just the next level of wrestling. And, uh, you know, Khabib showed that, you know, obviously, uh, you know, wrestler or, uh, you know, a wrestler against a striker, uh, and I should know this and I should have known to pick Khabib, the, the wrestler nine times out of 10 wins that. Right. You know, but, and that was my theory. It's just, you know, yeah, could he catch him going in? Sure. I think um, it was more a hopeful thing. I was hoping that Connor would knock him out. Yes. Because I so, felt like for MMA, that would be huge. Right. And, you know, it trickles down on everybody's bottom line that is in the business. Even though you don't see it on your spreadsheet, Connor winning would help you financially somewhere down the road because, 100%. You know, advertisers see it. He's a bigger name. 
We're all getting paid more because of Connor. <laughs> right? One thousand percent, we are. So there's more eyes on the sport. Yeah. So I I really went into it, and this never happens. And I told Rochelle, I was rooting for Connor, but I picked against Connor. And normally I don't root against my picks because I know there's some people out there that actually gamble on them and and, and take my picks serious. So I didn't want to uh, do that. But Connor, I thought was kind of, you know, he's good for the sport. That being said, let's talk a little bit about the outside, and we'll break down more of the fight um, as we go along. But, uh, you know, and Cody's been a victim of this and how much he wants to get into it, is that there's just certain things that are considered bullying even as an adult. And, you know, uh, Mike, who's going to be on our show here in a second, he thought that maybe Khabib, I thought, uh Connor was in his head. I I told Mike right away. I thought Khabib leaving the press conference at three when Connor didn't show. I thought that showed that Khabib just he wasn't in his head. I thought that he didn't care. you're right. He just he he had a mission. He knew what the mission was, and no matter what Connor said going into the fight, he wasn't going to be goaded into it. He knew how he had to handle it, and there's just certain things. And Cody will. We'll verify this because he posted on this that you don't bring in, uh, i.e. religion, i.e. someone's dad, i.e. making accusations, whether they're true or not, that can hurt somebody's livelihood. And I know Connor was doing it for entertainment. I, you, you clearly saw him doing it for entertainment. But I've been around the fight game long enough, and I'll point them out to Rochelle. Sometimes you'll stand next to a real fucking killer in this game. Somebody that doesn't fuck around, right? Like will shank you in the back or if you screw them over with money, uh, will literally beat the shit out of a promoter. There's some real killers in this game and Connor ran into one of those fucking people. Somebody that wouldn't fuck around and took real offense to it. And what we saw is that after the beating, just like in any street fight you've ever been in, you, you feel like you can't get enough. Like you, you might be pounding the guy's head in a pavement in a street fight. The cops come break it up and you want to do it more because you didn't pound it hard enough. That's what I think we saw with Khabib. He was still not satisfied. You know what I'm saying? And clearly the jumping in the crowd, you don't want to see that. But I understand it. I actually had more respect for him. It seems like Dana now has calmed down from it. It went from like, oh, he's not going to, you know, f- fight this, all this, to maybe a $250,000 fine, a couple months suspension, and maybe a Khabib Connor rematch. But why, why does there need to be a rematch? I mean, they're just, he was beaten to pulp. There's no need for a rematch. Um, so. but I mean, what, what's your stance here, Cody? Uh, I thought it was bullying. And I don't, I don't, I hate to use that with adults, but there's just certain things you don't mention. It's almost like bringing up somebody's wife at a weigh in or something. You know, I've, I've been in situations cause I'm the oldest of, of four, uh, where, um, you know, things have happened that have kind of forced my hand. And literally I will walk away from a fight 99 times out of a hundred, um, because I don't see any need to, flux on somebody but i swear to god if anybody said you know called my dad a rat or you know mocked my religion not that i'm super religious i I would probably let that go but 
if I mean, you just you just don't fuck with people's family, and you don't fuck with somebody like Khabib's family. I mean, they are Russians are hardcore people. They are scary people. I was uh, I was at a Russian event in Italy, and like those Russians, they they're scary. I mean, I don't know why they're just fucking. They're scary people. They're 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 different. You know, like they they don't they don't fuck about. Like you don't say you would never. You know what I mean? Like someone could probably say, you know, America's, you know, everyone in America's fat. And you'd be like, okay, whatever, man. <laughs> uh, that, yeah. But if you were like, you know, all Russians are uh, square heads, they'd kill you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you just knew, like you didn't say, you, there were th- certain things you just didn't say around these Russian people. Like, right. you know, like you didn't complain about certain things. Like they're just, they don't, they don't mess around like we do. They don't have the same sense of humor that Americans do. And I think that, you know, while Connor was trying to promote a fight, you know, he did, like you said, he tugged the wrong person's fucking tail. Right. hundred percent. I mean, he said he's, he trashed, trash talked, uh, Jose Aldo in Brazil and, you know, he got away with it, you know, cause uh, you know, I think he, he won that fight. Yeah. I don't know that if, if, you know, if he'd have lost, I don't know. I don't really know. Maybe there would have been another, you know, outbreak. Uh, maybe but, he got I mean, in all those head because all those shot right into it. Yeah. Six I mean, seconds. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that is, that is part of his game and you've seen it time and time again. And in, in, in boxing, you know, that's kind of where all the, the trash talk, you know, that's right. where it all started. You know, MMA fighters are starting to realize that, you know, there's, there's, it's a pretty easy way to promote a fight. Uh, you know, but I think that the UFC has to step in and be like, okay, listen guys, you can say, you know, he's got a funny haircut. He's dumb. You know, his gym sucks. You can say whatever you want, but dude, don't mess with someone's, don't mess with his religion and don't talk about his family. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, it, you know, if, if Khabib was, you know, talking shit about Irish people and, and, uh, you know, saying a bunch of stuff and it was a, it was kind of a back and forth thing. Well, you know, then it's not, you know, Khabib can't, you know, he can't, he can't throw, can't throw any stones at that, but. You know, Khabib wasn't doing that. Khabib was basically saying, like, no, you should stop. You shouldn't. Right. Don't say this. Like, don't say this. Like, this is more than a fight now. And, uh, you know, he he warned Connor and everyone on his team, you know, that, it, like, it wasn't going to be over. And he told the media that. He told yeah, the media he goes, that. I'm not going like, to shake his hand. No, I'm not going to shake his hand. I'm going to, I'm like, literally, like, I mean, they got interviews. There's interviews popping up up now saying, that, like, after the fight, I'm going to, I'm going to beat his ass. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to beat his ass. I'm going to be his whole team's ass. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just I don't I don't think there's any need for it. I think there's just absolutely just a million ways you can promote a fight. I mean, outside of you don't have to you don't have to bring someone's you don't have to cut someone down like that. You just don't have to. Right. You don't have to. I mean, there's a million other ways you can you can you can put someone down without you know bringing their religion or their family into it. Right. I mean, talk about talk about his his fighting. Talk about his whatever. You know what I mean? Talk about his haircut, his beard. Talk. I mean. Call them anything, boring. Whatever. Anything. Anything. You literally, there's a million other ways you can do it. There's just, you don't have to cross that line. And when you do, it's, it is, it is personal. You know what I mean? It is personal. If somebody said that, like I said, like we were talking earlier before the show, like if someone said that about my dad, yeah, I mean, there's a good chance that, yeah. you know what I mean? Gloves are coming off. Like, fuck that. Like, let's go. Like, we're fighting. Right. You know, I've, I've rearranged people's faces because they, you know what I mean? Picked on my brothers and stuff growing up. So, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, obviously what Khabib did was wrong, but was it, was it that wrong? 
No. I mean, every once in a while, I'll, I'll say this too to Rochelle, and these, these are just general observations. I'll see somebody with road rage, right? And they'll, they'll, they'll do something crazy with somebody in a car, right? Like they'll get out, they'll flip them off or something like that. And I'll tell her all the time, the danger in that is you just don't know what psyche you're working with there. Yeah. And that's what happened with the Khabib situation. It's like, I mean, he is like Tyson back in 88. Like you just don't, I mean, I had respect for him jumping in there, uh, jumping out. I don't want to see that for the sport. And I actually made a comment. They could have restrained him, though. They got a hold of Connor before he could jump right. out. And that's the only reason Connor's be, being the victim here. Yeah. Like, 100%, there's a commissioner standing right there that his job is to make sure that shit doesn't happen. Right. You know? And, uh, like, they were just kind of loosely like, oh, don't, 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 don't jump out. And then the fact that they got 100 security guards standing there and a guy runs from the crowd, right? Runs, jumps over a security gate, jumps onto the cage, and then jumps in the cage. Like, that's, that's absurd. Like, how does that happen? Yep. And, you know, that's that's a hundred percent, and that's not even that's not even on the UFC. That's on the security yep. team that they hired in the Nevada Athletic Commission. That is their job. That's what they get paid to do to make sure shit like that doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, you know, prime example is that um, I, I had posted, and I wanted to clarify my comments because people took the comments wrong. But I said to the UFC, "You want the WWE? You got the WWE." And I wasn't referring to what Khabib did. And jumping into the crowd, I was referring to the once, drama. Yeah, one it second, was. one yeah. second, you're anti Connor attacking the bus, but the next second, you're trying to sell the pay per view, and the first image you show is Connor throwing the chair at the bus. So, like, you're giving a mix of motion, like a, not a mixed message to people, like, hey, that gets you press. You know what I'm saying? And over time, we've seen this with the UFC; they forgive. And you're already starting to see it with Dana White, with Khabib, you know, he, he, he's like at the first night, very calm, but he's like, you know, I don't know what to say. I've never seen this before. There's a huge suspension coming, maybe $2 million. Now he's saying 250 maybe three months to six months. Like over time, UFC will forget about three it. Month, three months. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you know, but I, I do think they have to address trash talking. Uh, and you know what? I don't want to put rules on it because it is still fighting. But at the same time, there are certain things you can't attack. Somebody's wife, somebody's girlfriend, somebody's religion. Come on. Uh, I mean, I dare say this and Cody backed me up. Actually, Connor was being racist. Like, I mean, those those were like comments about somebody's religion. I mean, where's that acceptable? Your mama's so fat. Why? Well, I'm just saying but, that, like, it's not allowed anywhere else. So right. why was it allowed in the the pre? You know, and then because it it gets some viewers, it gets people talking about it. I mean, they love it. it they were exactly. trying to hit a number. I don't even. I haven't even seen the numbers yet. If I tweeted right now that, and I don't, don't I, hmm. this made up religion sucks. Yeah, you know what I mean. This that it sucks and it's not real. Yeah, I would get so much backlash from that, and I'd probably get a phone call. From my manager, maybe the UFC, like take this tweet down or you're fired. Yeah, you know what I mean. In fact, I don't know. He got away with it because obviously he's he's Conor McGregor. But uh, I think you know this might have been a hard lesson for everyone. Like, hey, you know, maybe we need to uh, we need to start governing this a I, little bit. I mean, they gotta they gotta they obviously they have to do something. You know, this thing happening one time, it's okay. Though everyone will get over it, but it happening 
if it keeps happening all the time, people are going to be like, dude, these guys are absolutely nuts. And that's going to kind of kill the sport. Especially because you're you're expanding uh, as a world brand. Yeah, globally. UFC. I mean, right. You're going to run into different religions. You're going to run into different cultures. You can't have fighters saying stuff about a Brazilian. Right, exactly. Religion. You know, like, you know, oh, I was in Rio and the crime here is terrible. Like, you but did you, can't do I mean, Colby Cummington, did you hear the things he was saying about Brazilians? Yeah. I mean, and how is he? I mean, that's he's on just the rise. as bad. That's just as, I mean, that's just as bad. He's on the rise. I mean, that that's what I think. You know, it's just, it doesn't make it right by no means. Uh, it's but, just, if it makes money, it makes sense. Well, the way, I mean, obviously it's a business, but at the same time, they're supposed to be professionals. What's the whole concept but behind that's what being I'm a professional saying with, as opposed to like the amateur that's, shows? That's that what are I'm saying. Shit be, shows. How many amateur shows? I've been at so many damn amateur shows. As a ref, I've gotten attacked. I've gotten attacked as a coach. Yeah. I've gotten attacked as a spectator. I've seen it happen. I've been, you know, there with my family and sponsors and stuff, and a big fight broke out, and someone got hit with a random freaking uh, plastic cup full of beer. Someone if that you're I down was river, with. it happens every show. This was this was in Grand Rapids, actually, and like that's normally not the kind of show that happens. But I've seen it happen everywhere. You mix fighting and alcohol, yeah. and you know, a bunch of different kind of people. Something bad's gonna happen. You know what I mean? Like, but that shouldn't be the fighters, the people that are getting paid to fight that are starting it. You know, but no. said this is gonna be talked about forever. So, yeah, uh, actually, more entertaining. They're gonna than the fight. They're gonna make money on it. So, uh, well, that's when I start watching. But Cody, you agree with me? No need for a rematch. I mean, it wasn't like it was I even don't, close. I don't think so. But right. like I said, if it makes money, it makes sense. It's gonna. You know what I mean? People are gonna, the same people again. are gonna buy that again. You know what I mean? And probably in anticipation that something crazy like that happens again. Jeez, okay. You know, so and when it doesn't, they're gonna be like, "Man, that was that was shit." Right. Yeah. So where do you put uh, Khabib all time? Say he retires. There was talk about it. Twenty-seven and zero. Never lost a round in UFC. And this, this is crazy because you know, obviously, there's a lot of boxers that you know finish their career undefeated. Well, not a lot, but. Um, more than MMA. More than MMA, right? Because in MMA... So many disciplines, so many... Different there's just block. so many ways to lose. There's yeah. so many ways uh, that you can be beat, you know what I mean? And in boxing, not as many, you know? Two hands, you know? In MMA, there's two hands, two feet, elbows, knees. There's a million different things. And to really, you know... Be able to do what Khabib's done. Uh, no one's been able to do that. You know, John Jones obviously would be the only other guy. You know, but you know he got disqued or DQ'd, which it's it's debatable on as to whether you know he should have been DQ'd. Uh, but like I said, it, that's still a loss. And you know he's not he's not Khabib's the only guy I know that's a champ that's undefeated. Right. I mean, everybody else is taking L's. You know, because those swan scuffs are pretty unforgiving. You know, even the best guy can get whacked. So, I don't know. And, I, you, know, you know, with Khabib, I've never seen Khabib up close. So, but I had seen Ben huge, Askren. Huge. I've, I've seen Ben Askren up close. And Ben Askren is the best 
you, uh, MMA fighter I've ever seen. He he never lost five se- seconds of a round. Boring as shit, but out wrestled everybody. Same oh, as could so be boring. Right. Same as could be. But Ben Askren, boring as shit. I wish would have got into the UFC because I was curious what he could do. Um, because in Bellator and you know anything I covered with him, no he one was even be, on the same level. He would be the Khabib of whatever division he. Right. You know what I mean? Like no, but people just don't want to see that. Which is so it's it's kind of mind boggling to me that. Khabib has gotten the recognition that he has, and one of the reasons is because he's Russian, mm-hmm. and you know Russia's a big place, and they don't have a lot of. They've got a couple guys, you know, that are elite in the UFC. Zabit and Khabib are the two guys, two Russian guys that are, you know, they're going to be they're they're next level guys, you know, coming out of Russia. And they're both getting pushed really hard. Uh, Zabit is actually really exciting to watch, and Khabib is. So boring to watch. You know what I mean? For the most part, you know, you got to struggle to put a highlight reel of this guy together because most of the time he's just hugging guys on the ground and then, you know, slowly works in to beat him up, you know, in the later rounds. Yeah. But he's got an entire country behind him, so he's going to continue to get pushed no matter how boring he is. But I don't know. No one can beat him. No one's going to beat him. No one. I can see no one in the division. I thought Connor was the guy right. that would beat him. I see, really did think he was, but no one else can. I didn't look at the fight as boring because what Khabib was doing was absolutely amazing. How he had Connor's legs all the time when he was able to stand up. I didn't think Con- it was boring either, but the, I mean, everyone right, else I, know. I was with was like, oh, man, this is stupid. This is not how I thought this was going to go. I'm like, well, right. this is a something you don't understand. Right. Tell I mean, tell me Connor's on his back and Khabib's on his feet. And he's raining down blows. This is in the second round after Connor's on his back. And he's still able, without positioning, to keep Connor on the ground and just lay haymakers because Connor knows he can't get up because Khabib's going to, you know, get on him like a Christmas sweater again. And that just shows you, like, I'm, I'm being honest. Like, I mean, well, just like back- I think a lot of the, you know, I think a lot of those shots that you take on the ground, uh, there's really not a lot on them because you can't generate that much power. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're when you're both on the ground, uh, it, it might look bad, maybe it sounds bad, but for the most part, it's just an arm punch. You know, and he can attest to this: arm punches are you not putting anyone out with one of those shots. But then, when he, you know, when Khabib is on his feet and he's, you know, like dropping these shots down, you know, like karate style, like they, you know, that's how that's they crazy how they how they break bricks. Now those shots, you know, those were hurting. Yep. Those were hurting Connor and those are chipping away at him. And then, you know, I think Khabib could have finished him right there, but he basically let Connor wanted to punish him more. He, he let him, he let him off the hook and you've seen him do it to other people too. Like he just breaks guys. He's not just beating him. He's breaking him. There's just points in the fight where I think he could have finished that Kimura. I think he let go of it. Yeah. I, I thought he had it. He did have it. I mean, even, Joe Rogan said, "Like this is it. Like, yep. This is it." And then the camera angle was at Khabib's back, and you couldn't really see what happened. But in my eyes, like he was screwed. He had nowhere to go. He was like locked down in a really tough, tough spot. And like it doesn't take a whole lot. Like you know, even if Connor's crazy flexible, like take your arm and see how far you can go this way with it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like this is literally like it's it's ripping your 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 rotator cuff. That's what that submission does. Like, I don't know anybody that can take their arm and bend it too far back this other way. I mean, right. I, I, look, I mean I'm mean, i tapping right here, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, 
I don't know anybody that can go that far with that. And Khabib had it, like he, he yeah. but he let go of it. And then same thing when he was on top of Connor, and Connor was in the fetal position. Like he let off him, he let him off the hook, so he could beat him up more. And like who who does that? No one. Yeah, no one does that. No one's like you know. That's like you know, someone staggering. Uh, you know, the two best boxers in the world. And uh, every single time the the one guy gets the other guy, you know, kind of on uh, wobbly legs, he, he you know, walks across to the other side of the cage and waits for him, lets him recover. Yeah. You know what I mean, no one does that. Like, if you, you hurt somebody, like, you're trying to put him away. And that Khabib, Didn't he's so to. good at that that he, he's like, oh, I'm going to be here again. I'm going to let him off this time. And then I'm going to come back and, you know, really, really break him this next round. It's like, dude, who does that? I mean, it's just insane. It's insane well, to watch. And using your fight knowledge here. So in the first round, Khabib was wrestling but not hurting him. But how exhausting is that when Connor? you, you could see Connor was resting, but Khabib had his shoulder into him and had him against the cage and everything Connor would try to do. How mentally exhausting is that, and how physically? And was that part of Khabib's plan? Like, I'm going to take the gas tank away right away. Well, in the round one, it's not the gas tank. It's like you can't get any pop on your shots because you know it's like uh, it's like if you went and you lifted weights really, really, really hard, and then you try to be really fast, you just can't. Your muscles are just swollen up, you know. So when you grapple with someone and you get in those exchanges, like you basically your muscles just blow up and you don't have that same you don't have that same crack mm-hmm. after that and 100 percent that was you know i knew that was going to be khabib's strategy get him down right away you know kind of wear on him a little bit wearing on that whole first round and connor's strategy was you know it was a chess match connor knew that was going to happen if he got taken down i mean i heard i heard his coach talk about it on the joe rogan show he was saying like that was we knew that you know khabib was probably going to get a takedown in the first two rounds and connor's job was just Stay relaxed and not use too much, and then in that third round, start defending takedowns and you know, crack them, put them out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a brilliant strategy. You know what I mean? I thought that was that was brilliant. But what Connor didn't account for was, uh, you know, Khabib's unique ability to hold him down and hit him. You know what I mean? No one's gonna be relaxed. I mean, shit in my fight, no one's relaxed on the ground when someone's punching you and holding you. It's not a fun place to be i don't care you know how much you know preparation and training you have for that situation when you're in it in a real fight and you know someone's got your arm tied behind your back and you're getting punched in the face like you are going to do everything you can to get out of that position you know because it's you physically aren't just gonna you know sit there and just take those shots no matter if they're hurting that significantly or not like you know game plans out the window then you know then you're kind of going into a survival mode you go into like a panic situation 100%. You saw it all over Connor's face. Oh, shit. That's what it was. And then, you know, game plan went out the window in that second round. And in the third round, you know, Connor was trying to, he was trying to land those big shots, but you could see he just didn't have that same pop. He, he couldn't, he landed a couple hard shots, but they didn't have that same snap that you've seen him, you know, touch people with in, uh, in fights previous. You know, he didn't have that. He didn't have that. He was, he was, he was pumped up. You know, we, we talk about it all the time. That's why, you know, in, in training, we try to, you know, mimic that situation where you're in bad positions, you know, in the beginning of a round or in the beginning of your sparring. And then you have to, you know, basically you grapple first and then you spot and then you 
hit mitts or you, you know, you, or you go back and forth that way you get used to, you know, your body kind of gets used to, you know, being, uh, lethargic and, you know, having to like push through that. Um, and I'm sure Connor was prepared for it, but you know, all the preparation in the world can't, you, you just can't be prepared for that in a real fight situation. And, and logically, and I know you picked Connor, but logically, People are like, well, Connor was training on the ground, but we know Khabib's have been doing this since he was a kid. You've been wrestling since you were a kid. What are the odds in a year time frame or a two year time frame I can catch up to you? Ten years. It's it just wrestling is not really. It's not a. um, It's it's different. It's a feel. It's a feel thing. You know, you can learn the techniques and you can learn. I mean, it's pretty. You can teach somebody good technique in a short amount of time. But it's uh, it's chain wrestling. It's being able to use one technique to the next technique, and just being able to kind of feel your weight out. You know, that's what people don't. That's what takes so long for people to learn. And you have to be like, you know, I probably have six hundred amateur wrestling matches. You know, and it took a long time for uh, you to get you know, a feel. Oh, I mean, literally, I was I was horrible. I was I was not a good wrestler until I finished high school. I started wrestling when I was. Uh, in like sixth grade so i wrestled for seven years before i could say like i really had any kind of like comprehension as to like my weight and all these other things and you know i'm still learning you know i'm still you know it's still a it's still a process so it's uh obviously you know connor's not gonna become a great wrestler in in a year it just you can't now as opposed to somebody like khabib who his stand-up that's the best i've seen it uh connor had to reach um but Khabib was able to keep that at bay. Um, he had the best punch of the night. Uh, it caught Connor. Probably Connor didn't expect that. Uh, it looked like it wasn't a stumble, too. It looked like it, it, it hurt yeah, him. Yeah, he got cracked when he watched it. it was like, um, then, it, then mentally, I have to believe that Connor is just broken then. I mean, it's just if you're losing the stand-up game and Con- uh, Khabib gives it to you, and he's doing it better than you are at that time. I, you know, there's just really nothing out there for you. I mean, there's no question that Connor's definitely better on his feet still than Khabib. But the the threat of the takedown, like you don't want to like. And I know because uh, I've been there. Like when you know somebody can take you down or that someone's going to shoot a lot, you're a lot more hesitant to like try to sit down on your shots and really land that hard shot. Like you really have to kind of stick and move a lot more because you can't. You can't like plant your feet and throw that hard shot because as soon as you plant your feet and you throw that hard shot, if it doesn't land, like you're getting taken down like right immediately. You know what I mean? It's just instinct for a wrestler to, as soon as like you open your hips up to, you know, turn and throw that big shot, like as soon as you square your hips up, if that shot misses, you're getting taken down. And like, you know, when your feet are planted and you're trying to, you know, turn your hips and throw that hard shot, like you're just in a compromised position. You can't defend a takedown like that. Nobody can. All right, so. we're going to call Mike, who is our ultimate fan, who knows a lot about UFC, and we've been bringing him on every week, and uh, we'll break down the rest of the card with Cody, me, and him really quick. Hello? Hey, it's the ultimate fan, Mike Reiser. How are you, buddy? I'm good, gentlemen. How are you today? Good. Uh, me and Cody have just been breaking down pretty much every aspect you can of the, the Connor Khabib fight. Um, care to add anything else to it or any questions for Cody about it? Uh, clearly Cody with the wrestling background and a UFC fighter knows a lot more than I do about it, but, uh, we, we basically 
covered a lot that has been talked about is that uh, – uh, you know, just to refresh you really quick, unless you were listening, uh, Khabib's probably. Oh no, the... I, I, I've been listening. Oh, okay, yeah. so you know what we've been talking about. So. Oh uh... yeah, 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 and I, I, like Cody, I picked Connor um, on the show last week, and he was my pick going into the fight, just because, just like everybody else who picked Connor, they thought eventually he would catch him with that left, and uh, you know, I, I said last week in the show too that it was either Connor and two or. Uh, that that fight was Habib's all the way, and Habib was just the superior fighter that night. And he was incredible. Um, I know we talked um, after the pay per view a little bit, and for me, I was a little bit. I think I was a little emotional that night because a lot of people were were saying, "Well, Connor had this coming. He knew what he was doing." You know, regardless of that, I think Habib's actions were still very uh, very volatile, and I don't I don't think there was a place for it, but. You said it best. This man is a killer, and this is not somebody that you just willingly fuck with. And I think that's what Connor learned his lesson this time. Yeah, it's not the uh, Diaz brothers who are are, are going to take it in stride, and uh, you know they're they're just equally as much of a trash talker. And it's it's definitely not uh, Aldo. You know, you you, you picked on the no. one guy that probably. And I said too the key. And I said too, that, and, I, and I mentioned, you know, the body language um, as they were being introduced, and you know, because um, you went back and I watched the Aldo fight before, and you just saw that uh, Connor was so loose, and then you saw Jose, and then he was just very—he looked nervous. Like that moment was just getting to him. Habib didn't look like that. Habib was confident. He was loose, and he knew that he was just coming out to smash Connor. And people kept talking about in the fourth before uh, Habib got him on the ground, you know, that maybe that Habib was tired. I don't think Habib was tired. I think he just kept getting madder and madder and madder as the fight went along. That I don't think there was any fatigue there. I think he was. Just, I think he just was beyond angry, and that showed once he had that neck crank on, fight over. Then he just jumped the jumps out of the octagon, and you know, history is from history goes on from there. Uh Still good for the sport, though. TMZ was covering it and everything. Uh, my my favorite TMZ thing was is that they were able to get audio um, of the fight where Connor, after the second round, whispers in his ear, yep. "I'm sorry, it was all business." And what I couldn't remember what he said, but I I do remember what he said now. Khabib said, "Let's talk now," and he was referring to uh, Connor's press conferences where he's like, let's talk now. You wouldn't get off the bus, you know, calling him a rat and everything. Uh, Khabib was, was pissed. I, I think the best that we saw of Khabib was that with all those emotions, he could have had an adrenaline dump and he didn't, you know, clearly there was just a lot of anger in that guy. And really, um, he was focused, uh, focused anger, right? Which it normally, scary. that's just, that's years and years of competing at a high level. Yeah. No, he was. I mean, he's uh, he's never been on that big of a stage, but you could tell like it, it would. I don't know. He. I mean, he's probably had what a million wrestling matches and sambo matches. Like he's competed at the highest level in every sport he's ever been in prior to the being in the UFC. I mean, so you just the guy just doesn't bend or break. You know, he's one of those guys that just I just don't think feels pressure the same way everyone else does. Uh, so and for Dana White to say it was a black eye for the UFC that night, I don't believe it was at all. I think uh, maybe at first Dana was upset, but then I think after he, I think later that night, you know, probably on his private jet, he probably thought to himself, "Well, this, this probably is really, really good for us 
thinking pay-per-view buys, media attention. You know, I, I think while it wasn't... Yeah, while after he counted the numbers and saw the pay-per-view buys, he calmed down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean yeah, Khabib is now marketable. Before he wasn't, he needed somebody else, and, and they couldn't figure it. He will always be known as the guy jumping out like a real eagle on uh, Connor's uh, teammate. I mean, it, it basically... He's already, he's already messing around with Dana on Twitter. Did you guys... I just uh, I was just on Twitter, just checking things out. You know, he'll be sent out a tweet to Dana just a little bit ago, um, saying, "Hey, thanks for giving me my belt back. Or else I would have had, uh, I else I would have known your location. I would have had to come and smash your car." I mean, Habib's absolutely the guy's. Uh, yeah, the guy's pretty funny now. You know, he's he's taking advantage of this, and I think it's a good thing. That was actually the smartest thing Dana White did is not give him the belt. And, and, uh, and I understand that, uh, Khabib wanted the belt in the ring and he had earned that moment. But I've actually been in a couple riots at fights, uh, Tyson Galata, where Galata didn't come out of the corner and, uh, Thomas, the hitman Hearns down in Joe Lou's arena. That's very scary for a fan when it's just complete mess. And that's actually what Dana White did correct is to have uh, Bruce Buffer announce it after Khabib had left. And there was a lot of confusion. A lot of people thought he was getting disqualified. And uh, I knew he wasn't because there's there's no grounds to disqualify somebody after a fight like that. So, like, I knew the decision would right. hold. But, um, you know, I thought that was the smartest thing Dana White did. Uh, obviously, Khabib didn't get his moment. But um, I, I think it saved a lot of fights at the T-Mobile Arena, even though I heard the casino was nuts, you know, if you're wearing a Connor shirt and people are coming up to you, I heard it was crazy, and, and I was actually glad I wasn't there. Yeah, you couldn't have paid me enough to be there after after they resolved that fight. It was uh, absolutely, I heard, chaotic, and I heard a lot of uh, a lot of stories of fights going down on the strip and people being arrested. It's <laughs> the way that, you know, the Irish and Russian fans handled it that night, which... Brandon Shubb actually said that during fight week, he would hate to be there inside of the crowd or even after the fight because you're going to have people drinking and, you know, it's not going to, whatever the result is, one side's going to be pissed. So Right. And that's where, you know, and I've, I've told Rochelle this a million, million times, it wasn't until I worked for U of M that, you know, I used to get always mad at security checks. I'd be like, oh, why the freak do I got to do this or do that? But it wasn't until I worked for U of M <laughs> And I was in that stadium that I was like, man, I'm glad they do. Because you'd look around and there'd be 100,000 people and you'd you'd be just like, I'm glad. It's at those moments where you're glad there's security checks. Like there's no brass knuckles, no no craziness out there. You know what I'm saying? Let's break down the rest of the card because what was lost is it was a good card. Um, So Connor, the only place for him to really go, I think, is Tony uh, Ferguson. I really do. Uh, and that's a perfect matchup for him because uh, he, he'll trade trade blows with Connor, and I think Connor wins that. Um, I'll ask yours and Cody's opinion on there. That's a fight I actually want to see. That's actually going to display Connor's best side, actually. Mike, you Cody, like? back. Cody, go ahead. Oh, okay. uh, I mean, really, Tony deserves Khabib. Tony Ferguson should get to fight Khabib. Um, I don't know that that's going to happen. You know, I think that the UFC is looking at the same thing that you're looking at, like uh, Ferguson against Khabib. I mean, 
it's really not that not quite as marketable as Connor versus somebody and then Khabib against someone else because now uh, you, like you said, Khabib is super marketable and people are going to want to watch him fight. So he could pretty much fight anyone on the roster and it's going to be a sellout, you know, and same thing, you know, Connor still has that, you know, he still has that draw. He's so anybody he fights is going to be a sellout. It, they'd be smarter probably to have uh Khabib fight. Who knows? Dustin Poirier or Nate Diaz, somebody, uh, and then have Connor fight uh, Ferguson. But I mean, if you're looking at just who who's earned it, for sure Tony should get a shot at Khabib next. But I mean, obviously we know that doesn't always that doesn't justify uh, that actually happening. And that was a good fight, uh, Tony. And I agree with and I agree with Cody too. Yeah, um, I, I think it definitely should be Tony and Habib next. Even though it's what the sixth time you try to make this fight, and there just seems to be some kind of block in the world that won't let a Tony and uh, Habib fight happen. I think the best thing in the world for Connor right now is, you know, it's not a rematch with Habib right away. It's you need to go fight somebody else. You need to get a victory. And then you need to revisit Habib after Tony and uh, Habib take care of whatever they got to take care of. That's I think that's first on Connor's agenda. Well, first off, I don't, I, I think Connor, what he's saying publicly can't be what he's thinking. I mean, he's got to really kind of, reevaluate how he game plans and he's not ready for Khabib again and Khabib no. I mean it wasn't like it was close and we, we talked about that at the beginning of the show if it was close you'd say hey a rematch there was not a point in the fight where I thought ooh Connor there was nothing from start to finish first second when Herb Dean it was all you know Khabib so if you're uh, and Cody being in the ranking systems of UFC, if you're Tony and you don't get a shot at the champion, you're 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 kind of looking around, going, "What the shit do I got to do?" And what do these rankings even mean? Because he, as Cody says, he he's entitled to it. I mean, he he, he earned it. So uh, Connor should be on the back burner, anyways. Um, he should. He needs to go get. He needs to go get a victory. He needs to go fight somebody else. Let Habib and Tony fight it out at the top of the lightweight division for right now. And then after you, after Connor goes, gets a victory, builds confidence back up, you know, then go ahead and let's revisit a rematch with Habib or let's say Tony somehow, some way conquers Habib, then let's go ahead and let's make that fight. But for right now, Connor needs to focus on fighting somebody else, getting a victory, building that confidence back up. Because you mentioned it at the top of the show, these three out of the last four, lost three out of the last four of the yeah. fights. But still won $150 million, which is crazy. Made and, he had, and still made $50 million bucks. It's not going to last forever, though. You know, there's not going to be how many more losses can Connor really afford to take before that draw. You know, he's great. He's entertaining. But how many more losses can he really afford to take? He needs to game plan. He needs to revisit his strategy, go get a victory, and then maybe worry about Habib again, maybe worry about Tony, but not right now. Right. Well, Connor will go down as one of the greatest entertainers of the sport, but I don't think he'll end up in the top 20 of all time UFC fighters. I just, uh, at the end of the day, um, I just think the stats won't, won't be there for him. And you got to remember he's on the the wrong side of a fight career too, really. And so, um, you know, having that much time off, I, I was worried about ring rust. I'm not sure. I just think Khabib was that much dominant, but you know, he's back in there. Let's see the next one. Uh, you announced to me, you text me, uh, uh, UFC announced, I'll let you announce, uh, what UFC announced with, uh, Cormier. 
Yeah, about breaking news about two hours ago. Um, <laughs> two hours made ago. official. <laughs> Finally, New York has its main event. UFC 230 is it's going to be Daniel Cormier defending the heavyweight championship against Derek Lewis. But Lewis didn't we want talk it. About, uh, he doesn't have the cardio. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I, I, here's the thing, you know, the, if you, the one thing I think is that's overshadowed um, from this, um, you know, from Conor Habib was Derek Lewis's comeback against Drago that night. Um, beautiful, beautiful knockout to finish that fight. And in his post, his post uh, fight interview um, garnered him 600 new, 600,000 new Instagram followers and he blew up overnight. And that's what led, uh, led to this fight being made. Right. You know, so talking about somebody who capitalized on the fanfare and the attention surrounding Connor and Habib, no better person came out of that looking better than Derek Lewis. Well, my favorite, headlining Madison Square Garden with Dan and Cormier now. My favorite part about that is, it, you know, he wasn't trying to do that. He was on, he was being honest. You know, first off, you know, the shorts exactly. are off because my balls are hot. You know, maybe that's not appropriate. He's a funny guy. You should follow him on Instagram. Is He's he got the funniest Instagram I've ever seen. Second off, second off, everybody wants a ch- title shot. He's probably the first one that says, no, I'm not ready for a title shot. I, I need much more cardio before then. I'm sure the UFC mm-hmm. talked him into it, and I'm sure it, it's going to be his biggest payday. All those things. Um, that being said, uh, w- early early thoughts. W- what do you think, uh, both you guys here, uh, Cormier, skilled wrestler, um, been in there with the best with John Jones and stuff. What, what do you think, Lewis? Too too early, too soon, or or do you think he has a shot at first Cormier? Go ahead. Go ahead, Cody. Oh, uh, well, I definitely think Derek Lewis is going to die against Cormier. Cormier is going to take him down. <laughs> he's going to take him down and beat on him. Like it's not. He's got no takedown defense. Uh, I think that's a pretty easy win for Daniel Cormier. I mean. Cormier is like one of the best wrestlers in MMA, and Derek Lewis is like one of the worst. So we're going back to that striker, uh, striker wrestler debate. But if, if I already made the mistake of picking the strikers, so 100, it's going to be Derek Lewis on his back getting mauled by uh, a lot smaller uh, Daniel Cormier. You'd be amazed how small Daniel Cormier is yeah. for being the. The uh, light heavyweight and heavyweight champ of the world. Right. He's a pretty normal sized guy. He's not a big dude. It's it's crazy, but obviously, you know, he's a freak athlete. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would bet the house that he wins that fight. What'd you guys think of uh, Corm- yeah. Cormier jumping in the ring, uh, trying to be the peacemaker with Khabib? I, I kind of like thought that was overstepping bounds, well, really. Well, they're really good friends. Yeah, I know, but just still. Yeah, they're teammates. So uh, I, I would, I would have expected Daniel to do that. I don't know. I, th- I think you know he's, he's, he's highly respected because right he's like I probably one of the people that could... trying to bring peace. Okay. To the situation. Yeah. Um. Anybody else on but, the card that you thought uh, made a a great imp- uh, impression? Um, I, I think uh, I think Dustin Poirier, you know, standing with with uh, Tony, I think he uh. He went out on the shield, and I think that was a great showing for him. You know, too bad he broke his hand. Uh, but I oh, think, you're talking you know, Pettis. Um, you're talking Pettis, not. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm sorry. Pettis. No, that's okay. Yeah, I apologize. I have I have two thirty on the mind right now. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I think Pettis um Pettis's corner stop in the fight. I think that's something that you don't that we need to see more of. You know, protecting your fighter, and I thought that was great. 
Um, you know, that fight right there, that second round was so exciting. A lot of blood. And I think that was, uh, I, it was one of my favorite moments of the night. But just touching back on, on DC and, uh, and Lewis, I think, I think Cody hit it pretty well. I, you know, look what DC did to Rumble. And I think it's just going to, you know, imagine what he did to Rumble on just, uh, on a more violent scale. I, I don't think, I don't think their glues last around with DC. Yeah. Uh, anybody else you liked on the card that you thought made a statement there, Cody? Because um, it was a great card, actually. It, it really was. And I, for the life of me, I can't think of the guy's name, but it was a, uh, it might have even been a, a pre- prelim fight. Um, he was a hockey player. He, uh, he looked, he looked really good. Um, I can't think of the guy's name. But I mean, for the most part, the, all the fights were, were pretty good. They were I mean, good. Derek Lewis' fight was, was uh was kind of boring until the last you know few seconds you know and pulled that one out of his ass. Uh, I really thought that Sergio Pettis was going to win that fight. Um, I I really like Sergio. I've, I've trained with him uh a couple times and he's a super super nice guy. I was really pulling for him. I'm really surprised uh uh Formiga was able to take him down and do that to him because he's actually a pretty good grappler. I think he's having a bad night. Uh. Really, no other fights really stood out to me. I thought the uh, the Fleece Herrig Michelle Waterson fight really could have went either way. Mm-hmm. That was a kind of a uh, I don't know, I, maybe not even a good decision. Maybe you should have went towards Fleece Herrig, but uh, no. I, you know, overall, it was a it was a decent card. I mean, thank God it wasn't a complete flop, and then all that stuff happened. You know, it was a decent, entertaining card. You know, leading up to the mcgregor and uh khabib fiasco uh i i asked cody earlier about where khabib probably is uh where do you think uh he is obviously clearly pound for pound right now number one but uh where do you think he is in history if he does walk away at 27 and oh never having lost a round in ufc top 50 probably Um, 50 it's gotta be higher than uh, that no I don't, I don't know who, I mean, you got to look at his resume. I mean, what's his, Connor's his biggest win. I mean, yeah. this resume, resume plays a big part in this. And, you know, before, before Connor, who would you say Habib's biggest win was? Was it Michael Johnson at 205? Was it Edson Barboza earlier this year? Who was it really? That's it. You know, I think that's I, a I lot like of things that's going to be considered a lot yeah. in Habib's legacy. It's just, it's just his resume right now. Well, that kind of stinks because I, I always hate it for fighters when, I mean, there's nothing that Khabib can do about the time frame that he's fighting in. But, I, I mean, you, you could probably match him up against future uh, champions and you could probably ma- match him up against past champions and he'd win most of those bouts. I, I always hate it when a, a fighter is in a bad era and they, they pick apart stuff because uh, I really do think that Khabib probably could – win against a lot of people but i mean who knows maybe he doesn't retire maybe uh ufc finds a way to uh market him and and you know he uh continues on and uh and i, and I don't think he's pound for pound number one right now who do you got i, I don't believe that it's daniel cormier okay i mean yeah there's, I mean, there's no I mean, that man is incredible and right. i don't i don't think that uh isn't as much as you want to give Habib the credit i just i don't see DC being unthrown uh, at pound for pound spot just over this victory of Connor for for Habib. Well, see, I can't give it to DC because Jones is coming back and Jones just has DC's number. So, like, if Jones wasn't coming back, 
I, I understand that, but DC is probably three for me because I know Jones is coming back, and for whatever reason, I just don't ever see DC getting past Jones. It's just I think it's a mental thing now. I really think Jones is mentally in DC's head, and it's just done. Um, you know, and and I expect Jones, even with the layoff, to be kind of still the John Jones that we're used to. Hopefully, he's not as big as he came in. Um, I liked him leaner. I thought his body was perfect for MMA. And then he started fucking with it with bodybuilding. Um, you know, if he comes in lean and is able to throw those elbows like a jab, I just don't think DC has a, a chance again. And, and, you know, Jones, uh, we were talking about how quick you can learn it. Jones' sprawls, um, having not been taken down until uh, Gustafsson, uh, I mean, he's just, he's unbelievable with takedowns. I, I mean, it's a good fit for him. That's probably why I have DC, like, at three, just because I know Jones is coming back and he's just going to be once again in dc's head well speaking of the heavyweight division this is something i want to leave you guys maybe to ponder you know this fight being made between Derek lewis and daniel cormier does this say anything about the status of brock lesnar you know did brock fail another drug test that's what a lot of people are are kind of wondering <laughs> yeah. now where, where where does brock lesnar go from here you know dc flat out said i'm not fighting again until i fight brock and well, then all of a sudden Magically, here comes Derek Lewis again. You know, at two thirty, you saw it you has know, that that something happened with Brock. Or... You saw it has that new rule, and it just came out. Just came out. Yeah, they don't publicize yep. if someone yeah, pisses dirty yep. until there's a, some kind of investigation. You gotta wonder if something's if something there's something there. I mean, that you saw it. That's, that's the first until. thing I saw when I when I saw it with Derek Lewis. I was like, oh, did Brock fail his test? <laughs> that's the only reason that's the only reason I would have thought that this fight would have been made well we gotta he, get he was you, adamant about not fighting we gotta get you a twitter handle with the undercard and stuff and you can just post uh, get you a team undercard that's what we're gonna work on until the next time we talk to you um, you know and that way you can post everything okay. UFC for us um, Bellator's actually got some interesting fights coming up um, yeah, as Bellator gets uh you know, Be- Bellator, the the retired UFC league, <laughs> right? Exactly. But there's, you know, I, I'm not talking the the grandpa league, but there there's some interesting fights coming along. And then uh, we didn't even get to talk uh, about it, but uh, you know, we got some more time on the show. But uh, our good friend, and then uh, Cody's uh, best friend, Darren. God, what a perfect fit over there in Japan for him. Uh, I mean, just there's a league built for Darren, and he found it, and. He's not only finishing fights, right? Yeah. Uh, finishing him very entertaining. He's in a good spot because I feel like you know he's got four straight finishes, three by pretty vicious knockout. Yeah, soccer uh, kick was the start of him, right? Yeah, he. Uh, I mean, he could pretty arguably. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the UFC and and Risen weren't in like kind of a battle to see who would pay more to have him come back. Um, at least that's what I hope happens for him. Right. Uh, Darren was in your uh, corner, but during uh, fight week, uh, you know, obviously fighters watch other fights and stuff. What, what are they saying to Darren? Because his, 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 finish, his finishing in Japan is so exciting. Um, they allow a, a little bit more than UFC, obviously, the soccer kicks. Straight and street fight. Um, you know, uh, have you been around where fighters are like, holy cow, I've always wanted to do a soccer kick, and you, you, yeah, you, you had it every, set up. <laughs> everybody, everybody says that, everyone, all fighters. I mean, MMA, real MMA fighters are like, 
you know, I think you, we want it to be as close to an, a real a real street fight as possible. So when you go over to Japan, the only thing you can't do is kick someone in the nuts or gouge someone's eyes. Those are the only rules. Like you, there's other than that, there, there's you can do whatever you want. You can freaking stomp someone on the ground. I mean, it's pretty scary what you can do to people over there. Uh, so I think I think most MMA fighters want an opportunity to fight under those rules. Because uh, we're nutty like that, but well, Mike, you take care. Uh, we'll have you on the show real soon. We're going to go to one minute break here, and then uh, we're going to come back with a uh, in studio guest. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, take care. Take care, man. All right, you too. All right, we are back on the undercard episode. What are we at, Rochelle? Two eighty-eight. Two eighty-eight. Uh, we want to bring in our next guest. Uh, he is a former boxer, former kickboxer. Uh, he's trained on a hands-on boxing, which is a great gym, uh, formerly a Motown boxing. Uh, he's got a huge stable of fighters. If you've ever seen Isaiah Thomas fight, uh, huge. Uh, Marcus Carter, who's a, a former uh, Golden Gloves champion, a big heavyweight that can punch a lot. Uh, also does the Robinson Twins in the Detroit area. Um, but we want to welcome uh, Claude uh, Strickland. How are you, buddy? Not bad. Yeah, just hop, right hop up on in there, there, man. So let's start uh, a little bit about your past. Uh, you're a former boxer um, and kickboxer. Uh, you stuck around the sport and you now train. What, what's the better of the two? Did you like fighting back in the day or do you like giving back and training? Well, I like um, being able to to use your hands and um, and feet. Uh, somewhat of an advantage, but um, the more the um, disciplines that you can use is more of an advantage for you. Um, and then it's just the curiosity of the, of the sport. It was new and um, just something else to do. Um, I guess fighters sometimes have that crazy mindset. It's just something else to do in terms of uh, combat. So that's more or less how it um, evolved. And um, it worked out for me. It gave me a chance to travel some places, get a chance to see things that I probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to do. You know. Now, now kickboxing, which is uh, regulated by the WBC, and it's just not as big in uh, America as we were talking. Cody and you were talking about how big right. it is worldwide, though. The right. WBC does have belts for it, and right. it, it gets aired. Uh, we, what did you enjoy more, kickboxing or boxing at the end well, of the day? Well, um, more so uh, kickboxing because I had an opportunity to actual fight for titles, whereas in boxing, um, it really didn't go in that direction. Um, the pr- promoting boxing, um, they're looking for something else, whereas in kickboxing, you can get up into the ratings. Um, people more or less were able to see you. You were able to, um, to get some opportunities, um, and that's basically what happens in these sports, uh, you gotta get an opportunity and you gotta take advantage of it once you, once you get it. So, I, I had some opportunities. Um, it was, um, it was a pretty nice ride, but, um, I don't think that I put the, the effort that, um, maybe I could have put, um, it was one of those things where you had a talent for it. And it's two different things. And when you're a fighter, you need to have the talent, but you also need to have that uh, drive where um, you want to take it to the next level. Uh, for me, I was uh, satisfied with uh, getting some wins because I never thought I'd be a, a professional fighter. So 
it was more or less a fun type trip for me. <laughs> and now you're training fighters. Uh, uh, my first question, I, I think you misunderstood it. Do you enjoy training fighters or fighting more, do you think? Oh, I think it's the training fighters. Giving back? So. Yeah, I think um, um, being able to to uh, see a, uh, an athlete come in raw, and be able to instill some technique and um, um, drive to make them into a, a, a complete uh, fighter. To be able to uh, create something is, is more or less like a like a um, um, an artist with a blank uh, canvas. So you're able to 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 make something out of nothing, and uh, you'd be surprised with where these people come from, you know, people see them in the arenas on pay-per-view or see fighters and they don't understand this guy just grew up. He was, went to school. He did regular things. He just uh, took it to another level, you know, and they were able to learn. Now, something that you, you have to deal with as a trainer and is different in, in MMA is that I see a little bit more loyalty in MMA. I know there's some gym hopping. But yeah. you as a trainer, one second they're working with you, the next second they're on to a different trainer. How, how do you deal with that or even uh, prepare yourself for that? That's something that over the years uh, I've been coaching since the early 80s. Uh, even when I was fighting, I was still coaching. And the loyalty. Uh, there is none. That's, that's, that's <laughs> where um, um, for the longest um, I had a, a Motown boxing for about 10 years. And I just decided to close it. I said, "This there is no loyalty, um, especially when you um, bring a young fighter up that's ten years old. Now he's nineteen or twenty. He's ready to become a professional, and there, there he's gone to the to the highest bidder. So you're right. Um, the um, looking at the way the sport." works in terms of boxing and then I look at because I get a lot of um, mixed martial art fighters who come to learn to work on their uh, stand-up so I get a lot that come for that and you'd be surprised how how um, dedicated they are opposed to the fighters that you basically are only teaching a a, a stand-up to so um, they seem to be a little bit more yeah. loyal, uh, just with their gyms. I, I'm not saying that people don't jump, and Cody can probably point out people yeah. from his gym. But then, then I think of some people that have been with Michigan Top Team for a long time. Mm-hmm. You're going to have the occasional, but in boxing, it just seems like I, I couldn't handle that anxiety of like right. I'm giving you all this time, and then tomorrow right. you you can go find another trainer. Oh, That's yeah. the thing that I admire most about boxing trainers is dealing with that rejection and then starting with but, a new kid. You know, I look at it like how well how often does that work out like the way they planned? You know? How often right. do you know, you work with someone for X amount of time, you put all this time, you understand yeah. where they came from, what they're good at, what they're not good at. They go with a new trainer and I feel like if you're an athlete, it takes year, two years yeah. to get used to that trainer, get used to the different training, get used to all the things. Like as an athlete, you don't really have that time to just, you know, adjust, you know. So how many how many times have you seen it, like a right. guy that you, like, brought up that, you know, was to a point where you could turn him pro, then he jumped ships and went somewhere else? How often did he, like, 
how much better do you think he got? You know, I just look at it like there's there's people that understand you uh, on a level like everyone thinks the grass is greener somewhere wow. somewhere else, but ultimately. I've done it. I've trained at other gyms. I've tried it out and to see if they did something that, you know what I mean, that that was going to change my game. And I was like, no, this is the same thing, just taught a little bit different way, you know? So, I don't know. It's just like a relationship with a girlfriend. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know you got to try a bunch of them. Yeah, you you see something that looks good on the other side and you're like, oh, maybe it is better. And then you go over and you're like, man, I fucked that one up and... Mm -hmm. Be like, I miss her. Yeah, uh, exactly. Go back to her. I've only dated one girl like that, and I'm dating her now. So <laughs> the rest Aww. of them, I'm like, man, I can't yeah. wait to get out of this. <laughs> we love. Yeah, sometimes um, the fighter thinks that the ice is cold or someplace else, and um, there's always the predator who comes behind your back. Oh, or it starts working a, with them in the gym. Yeah, I, I had a fighter who uh, came and drove up in a. Um, he had gotten a car from a. Uh, <laughs> From another um, trainer, he gave him a used car. He didn't have a car, so um, that was to entice him. You know, well, Strick, he can't get you a car. Uh, but you know, all those years, it's a lot that goes into uh, being the coach. I'm, I'm everything to him. Um, really, um, the uh, when they had a trouble with their girlfriends or. When they uh, are broke, uh, which is often um, babysitting, <laughs> um, yeah, all sorts of things that you end up doing, especially when you're traveling around the country with with uh, different fighters, and um, you spend a lot of time with them, and a lot of time in the gym um, in the morning. We're running in the morning, um, training in the evening. Um, they're at every event that I'm having with my families. So it's what is it? What do you have to see in, in say, a ten-year-old that makes you, you know, be willing to invest that kind of that much of your life into them? Well, when it comes to youngsters, I look at it in in, in, in stages where they have um, juniors, what they all call that division. So they start at eight years old. So say a ten-year-old comes into the gym. My thing is, is I expect them to still be a fighter like a 10-year-old fighter. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes you're going to get that kid who's just some steps ahead of other fighters, but that's only maturation. That's, that, they're just a little more mature. It doesn't mean that um, that's going to be the one. We still got to wait and see. We need to still wait and see um, if they're going to even stay with the sport because – um, later on, the football coach comes, the basketball coach comes. High right? school they, sweetheart comes. Right. Things happen. So I understand that um, it, it, it could be a phase for uh, young kids. So I haven't seen young kids come, win golden gloves, and um, box for a few years, and you never see them again. And then I have kids who I've nurtured, and they've been with me for up to 10, 11 years. Um and um, it's a different thing. And then some of them, even after 10 years, they jump ship on you or decide that they no longer want to do the sport anymore because you can get burned out. Um, we are different people. Um, some of the people will get burned out in the sport and don't want to do it anymore. They just take a job, <laughs> work a regular job or go to school. or They get into something else. Um, it's 
it's it's one of those things where um, I think that it just has to evolve into the right moment. It has to. Because there's a million fighters or ex-fighters out there who can really fight who are not competing. They're, they're just not for some reason or another. So when a guy says he's the baddest man on the planet, Say well, <laughs> there's someone. Yeah, I met, yeah, I met him. Somebody. I met yeah. him a few years ago. Right, where right. is he now? There's always some place. There's somebody always somebody else. Kick your ass. Now, uh, I appreciate you coming out here and uh, spending some time with us in the studio. Uh, once again, we're joined by Claude Strickland. Uh, he's available uh, for training at Hands On Boxing. You came from a time in the '70s, '80s where you could actually kind of make a little bit of a living in boxing. Mm-hmm. I, I I tell people this all the time. Less than 5% of people make money in boxing anymore. We're right. lucky to be across from a fighter who that's his only job. I mean, it's, it's so rare. Right. Um, back then it wasn't. You could, you could get some good paydays. Um, what, what do you think changed? Well, I think that, um, in boxing, they, they tried to create a fighter and, um, they, uh, I, I think that I've made much, much more money as a trainer. Than I did as a fighter. So fighting, you contract for a certain amount of money, and they have um, their um, uh, whatever you know what they actually are going to pay for four rounds, six rounds, or ten rounds. And so, what you're trying to do is you 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 start trying to get to that ten round stage so that you can make more money. So, um, and even now, you need to fight ten rounds, twelve rounds in order to get paid, but you have to be able to, and that's what you all were alluding to earlier, how they were trying to promote the MMA. They're getting into uh, trying to make it into something else so that the fans will come out and buy the fight. Uh, And that's been the trick of boxing for the longest. Um, uh, People come out and say things. And then after the cameras turn off, they're shaking hands in there. So it's really not... (laughs) It's just a business type thing right. in terms of that. If Evander Holyfield can forgive Mike Tyson for biting off his ear, who knows? Maybe right. Khabib down the road can forgive right. Connor for all those insults. Yeah. I mean, but see, yeah. Mike Tyson was another. He's an he, animal. That's yeah, what I was so talking about. Like, that's where Khabib, like you wouldn't have done. I mean, Tyson bit. Lewis in the leg during yeah. a press conference. Like, right. there's just killers out there. I actually, I actually <laughs> sent you a picture. Man. There's a picture Tyson's of Tyson different. and Khabib together. Yeah. Oh yeah. I just sent, I sent it to you. Through oh, Instagram. sweet. But I think yeah. I mean even like everyone that I've talked to said Khabib is the nicest guy. Oh yeah. And maybe Tyson was like that and just had that killer. I yeah. Don't, maybe, but I don't know about that. One of I, my fighters, uh, Jefferson, he was a sparring partner for for Mike Tyson when Tyson fought Lennox Lewis. So he needed a tall fight. You know, they needed to that type of fighter. And, but Tyson during that time, I don't believe that he even had the inkling that he wanted to fight yeah. uh, Lennox Lewis. It was about the money. It was financial and, at that time. Yeah. And, um, that was wh- his why. And he had his, his training camp in, in Hawaii. I mean, that was the first <laughs> red flag. He he um, didn't spar the number of days that uh, he contracted the fighters to come. He rarely sparred. He rarely worked out for that fight. And yeah. Freddie Roach quit on him, I think. Uh, Freddie yeah. Roach had him for a little bit and said, if this is the effort you're going to give me, I, right. I quit. And at, at that time, Freddie Roach was, the you know, yeah. an up-and-coming boxing trainer. But he, he wasn't. just got another trainer. Um, oh, uh, people will always train yeah, Tyson. Yeah, see, you figure um, 
a fighter's going to make several million dollars. You're going to get a nice payday. You're going to get paid. You're going to get paid. And that's what these, some of the coaches, they'll sell the fighter down the road just for the money. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, how quick someone will flip someone B-side if there's money there. Right, right. And money's that's where the money is in boxing is B-side. Yeah. Uh, we want to thank you for joining us. If you mm-hmm. want to stick around, we're going to have Matt. Uh, if you got to go, that's that's yeah. cool too. Um, but we greatly appreciate you coming in. Yeah, thanks um, for having me. Do you want to give a shout-out to your uh, gym? Oh, yeah. Where can they reach you? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm at hands-on. Usually through the week I'm working with Isaiah Thomas. We're looking to fight in Las Vegas um, November the 23rd, the day after Thanksgiving. So um, he's looking to fight on CBS. Um, nice. um, on that date, um, I do work out of um, Motown, which is on the east side of Detroit. And that's my heart and, and soul <laughs> of Motown boxing. But um, uh, that's pretty much uh, what's happening now. Well, we appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much. All right. Thank, thank you. you. All right. Thank you. Nice meeting. <laughs> yeah, that's Claude Strickland. Uh, we wish you the best of luck and we'll stay in touch with you. Yeah, right. Good luck in November. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. All right. So now we're going to call Matt Frindo, who's launching Lights Out Championship. We're going to go back to MMA. Uh, let's see if he remembers. I know Fight Week sucks for promoters. Can I mess with him? Oh, yeah. Cool. Can, can I answer him? Like, hello? Hello? Hi, hi Matt. This is Richard. Hello. Matt, this is Richard. I need to talk to you about you. <laughs> Dang it, I almost had it. What's up, dude? Uh, I was going to say, this voice sounds oddly familiar. <laughs> yeah, we're, we, are, night phone calls. we are joined by the newly married Matt Frendo. This is the second Yay. time he's ever been on the undercard. Uh, Matt Riviera. How, how, first off, the hashtags... Uh, you say she's just a friendo. That is hilarious, by the way. Uh, that that was a good hashtag. How's married life? First off, before we get into the new launch of the Lights Out Championship. Oh, married life is just a dream. It's everything you could ever imagine. <laughs> it's, every, it's everything you could hope and dream for. Were Were you a good groom and said yes to everything she wanted all the way to the wedding, or did you put your foot down and have to be fight promoter sometimes and say no, we're not doing this? Um, I would say pretty good. I mean, I, it's weird because I didn't think I would want to have a say in mostly anything, but I feel like some of her decisions were real questionable. So now she's not listening. She's not listening to you say this right now. Is she? She is. She is in the other room. In the other room. In the other room. I see. She will. She will be in this room shortly now that she hears me talking a little crap about her. So, <laughs> uh, but no, I I pretty much let her kind of do what she wanted with it. Like I said, I I put my foot down on a couple of things, but mostly she she was able to do things how she wanted. Well, this Saturday is a big day for you, and it's a big day for Michigan MMA. A new promotion is being launched, Lights Out Championships, uh, a place that you're very familiar with. The Delta Plex happening Saturday. Uh, doors are at 6, fights start at 7. Uh, tell us a little bit about this card and um, how you came up with the name Lights Out, which is actually brilliant. Um, 
and and the the whole evolving of uh, a new promotion. Yeah, so I guess how how I came up with the name. Uh, you know, I sat here with a couple of my uh, of my my good friends and uh, my family, and I I had like a list of twenty different names, and I just kept thinking, you know, I look at the pros and cons of each name, and I don't know, this one just kind of stuck out the most. I thought it was most fitting. Um, you know, it kind of ties in with the sport, so it was a uh, it was it was. I don't want to say easy decision because there was a couple of different options we were looking at, but at the end of the day, I thought this was the best one for us. So that's what I decided to go with. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been crazy. It's been, uh, um, a lot more to handle than I thought. I thought for sure I'd be able to just kind of breeze through this because the old promotion I worked for, I did a lot. And, uh, um, this is a whole, a whole different animal running the show by yourself. And, I've got people helping me. I've got, I've definitely got a team in place, but I don't have a big enough team in place yet. So I'm shouldering a lot of this uh, work. I'm about by myself, and I thought I'd be able to handle it easily. But um, I think doing a doing a show two weeks after the wedding was definitely the worst decision that I ever made <laughs> in my life. So yeah, I, <laughs> um, I thought that when you were planning that. Yeah, it all came together <laughs> good. Like I said, this show is looking really good. Um, aside for a couple of dropouts that we had. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to have Saturday get here and uh, show Michigan what we're about to start doing here. Who'd you lose? Uh, I lost Andrea Holland's fight. Um, lost her fight on Monday, and today I lost Ken Cross's fight. Oh, no. So, uh, looks like I'm going to be able to fill his fight. I've got a couple people willing to step up. We're just uh, negotiating right now, and um, I don't think I'm going to be able to book Andrea, so... It sucks. That's, that's definitely the worst part of the job is having to um, let somebody know who's been training for shit, six to eight weeks, uh, taking time away from their family, spending money on their training camps and and stuff like that, and to let them know, you know, six days before the fight that they don't have a fight anymore. Uh, it's the worst thing that uh, a promoter has to do. So I feel like crap. Uh, I, I was able to reach out to about, I think it was 18 girls. Um, about stepping in and, and some of them were kind of interested. Some of them as amateurs surprisingly said, you know, pay me this much money. I'll come do it. And, uh, you know, I'm not about that. So oh, wow. I wasn't able to get her a fight, but, uh, hopefully somebody can book her soon. My, my next show is not till February. So I'm hoping somebody can book her before then. So she can uh, get in there and stay active. Now uh, let's let's run through the card that is officially happening. Uh, give us some of the highlights, some fights that you're proud of, and uh, some fights that uh, you you think people should come out and see. Yeah, so I I talked about this the other night. I used to get I used to get some criticism from um, I used to get some criticism from a few people about my fight cards, um, and never when I was fighting, I, I really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're here. We're here. Cody said never oh, when no, he, no. he Cody said never oh, when no. he's fighting, though. Never when he fought for uh, you. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought my call dropped. Um yeah, so I I most notably like, you know, Dave Clifford and a couple of people would always every time I put a card together they would just crucify me, like, Oh, this shit sucks. It's super overmatched fight. I'm like, 
you know, I shouldn't take I shouldn't take that stuff to heart, but I did. So I really concentrated on making sure these fights were as even as possible, um, skill set wise, record wise. Um, you know, I, I put a lot of work into it. Spent a lot of money on this card. I haven't spent this much money since Cody Stamen was uh, lubing the deals over at the old promotion. That's right, baby. So. Get the lube out, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk money. Yeah, yeah it's it's a it's an expensive card and it's an expensive show. So uh, I I don't think that there's really a fight on the card that you really can just go out. You know, I'm not really super interested in it. Um, some really good. It, it's got it's got all levels of MMA at this point. It's got good prospects for bigger shows. It's got guys that are super entertaining. They might not be going so much the next level, but there's still guys that put on awesome shows and, and, uh, you know, we've got low, uh, lower level pros that are just getting in and, and making a name for themselves. Amateurs that are about to go pro amateurs just starting off. Um, we've got a little bit of everything. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just really excited for all these fights. Now, uh, going around Michigan MMA right now is promoters saying they don't want recordings done at their show, which I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think is, effing ridiculous uh i i think any promotion i mean you're, you're not losing a ticket sale at that time if cody's videotaping one of his teammates but i know there's a lot of promoters out there that say they're gonna drop kick somebody if they see the, uh somebody recording at their shows what's your stance on that i i come from the no promotion uh no promotional tools a bad promotional tool and that if anything it's getting your your product exposure that you might move tickets down the road. What's your stance on it? And uh, give us a why uh, and your reaction to everybody in Michigan MMA right now thinking that um, there shouldn't be videotaping. I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I can see why these promoters don't like it. I can see why they want to uh, stop it. But at the same time, I don't think that how you said, I, I don't think somebody's, gonna uh, not buy a ticket just because it, you know they can watch on a facebook live usually those videos are grainy anyways and even if you do get a good connection i just don't think i think if somebody's going to come to the event i think they're coming anyways regardless if they know somebody could facebook live it but i do see the point of you know people saying you know these shows that cost a ton of money and promoters most promoters i should say really don't make a ton of money so you know, I get it. Some people think it kind of cuts into ticket sales, and I don't know. I mean, I, I... I honestly think that, you know, if you're giving people the option, you know, uh, you know, for a lot of guys, I mean, honestly, I guess I could see why it'd be like, oh, well, you know, who cares? It's a freaking Facebook Live video. But honestly, God, I'm thinking back to when I was a fighter, people would literally... Like be like, yeah, man, I'm not gonna be able to make your fight. I'm at this place, but so and so is gonna Facebook Live it for me. And I'm like, well, if they didn't have that option, I you bet you they'd ticket. make extra effort to be at the fight. You know what I mean? If they couldn't see it, so uh, yeah. man, I think I think I could, you know you should have someone pay me, you know, ten grand flat. <laughs> I'll freaking make sure no one is. <laughs> I'm kidding, but you know what I'm saying. Like, do you got a red security jacket for Cody on yes. Saturday? Yeah, you just walk yeah. around. I'm just gonna walk around shirtless <laughs> with a headband yeah. on. No, I I see that for sure. I I see that side of it too. And like I said, but it's also hard to be a dick. Like, coming? yeah, how many people are actually not gonna come just to watch Facebook? I don't know. I mean, I'm not. So I, I could see it. Some people are cheap. Some people are lazy. But 
if you've been to an MMA show and you haven't and you just watch it on TV, being at the show, the, the atmosphere is so much different. It's so much better to actually be there in person. I don't know. I see it both ways. I, I don't get too crazy about it. You know, um, I don't know. I, it, I don't make it a point. I've seen some promoters talking about getting like signal jammers and stuff. And I think that's just going to piss people off more and make them not want to come to your show at all. Yeah. Um, How are you going to watch porn so, in the bathroom then? It's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's so expensive too. Getting a signal jammer is expensive as hell. I mean, just, uh, you know, like I said, I don't think people are, I don't think you lose much sales at all. Uh, because people want to watch it on Facebook Live instead. So, I don't know. I think it, uh, I could see it both ways, but I personally don't get too crazy about it. Now, my, my favorite thing about the Lights Out name, uh, and I meant to say it when you're talking, is that from the get-go, you're like, we're not going to be a, a three-digit uh, or three-alphabet thing. You know, we're not going to be ABC. We're not going to be uh, XYZ. I think, I think that was smart because even me, I'll confuse promotions because everybody does the the three thing. And, I mean, I, I've been doing this for a living for, what, seven or eight years. Uh, I thought that was one of the smartest things. But what else can we expect from Lights Out? I know you have some tricks under your sleeve. I know you've given other radio shows some tidbits. So give us something juicy. What, what What's something that no one's expecting that you can reveal right now? Here's what I will tell you, because I, I wasn't able to tell this because it fell through for this event, and it's going to happen the second show. Unfortunately, I couldn't pull it off. The Charitable Gaming Commission in Michigan is the biggest joke I could even explain. What we have set up is, at the second show in February, we are raffling off a brand new vehicle. And this was supposed to happen this show. And our application got denied four separate times by the Charitable Gaming Commission. These people, are, they make it impossible for you to give away something. Um, so, unfortunately, that was the plan was this show. It got pushed back. We were told our application, we would get approved for February. We had to make a bunch of changes to it. The second show, we're going to be raffling off a 2018 Chevy Camaro. So, that ain't um, a bad deal. I haven't, yeah, I haven't told people that. Um, I'm gonna buy 10,000 so tickets. That's uh, that's the juicy thing I can give you. I mean, uh, we're doing the fighter kits. Obviously, you've seen those are sharp. Um, we're doing, those are neat. Yeah, those turn those turn out really good. Um, I'm gonna create a Hall of Fame Cody Stamen edition too. People are gonna charge people 200 bucks for them. <laughs> um, I, I gotta make money I off. Of you can't fight for me anymore. I gotta try and make some money <laughs> off his name still. <laughs> so. Um, no, and, uh, you know, we're giving away, a, we're doing a $2,500 knockout of the night bonus. Um, That's a hell so, of a bonus no, at this level. Yeah, so, pe- yeah, so people at this level, they're not making a ton of money. Um, so somebody can literally go out there and have a highlight real knockout and make more on the bonus than they made on their fight first or ticket sales or whatever the case may be. So <laughs> that, That's actually um, really smart. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm trying to do some. I'm trying to do some stuff like that, you know. Try to give these, these fighters some more incentive to go out there and perform well. And um, you know, the card giveaway is more for the fans because we have to put some pretty crazy stipulations. No fighters are allowed to win. No staff members. No family of staff members. The, the disclaimers we have to come up with on this thing is almost enough to make me not want to do it. But we had an awesome dealership, Benton Baker in Coopersville, Michigan, jump on board. They were willing to give us a fucking Camaro to give away, and I'm going to make that happen. So. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, it'd be really, really cool to see uh, 
you know, those kind of things because I, I think in, in Michigan MMA, um, I wouldn't call it stagnant because we work with everybody, but um, some fresh ideas are definitely needed at all times. And um, you got to push the envelope and, and treat it like entertainment. Like, I mean, yes, they're, they're fight cards, but you got to remember when I go, when I go to a fight, what I see is 90% family and friends and then like maybe 10% general public. And what you want to do is try to build on that general public because the families and friends are always going to come out and support Cody. And the family and friends are always going to support Fighter A. But what you want to do is have general public very interested. You know, oh, my God, there's an MMA show going on. And, you know, at that point, it's entertainment, just like the Red Wings and Pistons, where you got to have a little bit more than just the fight card kind of going on to kind of keep people interested through it. Yeah, I agree. And it's this is absolutely no disrespect to anybody how you said they're kind of stagnant it's not like i'm trying to like bad talk anybody but yeah, a lot exactly of these guys are you talking about you say things. that matt <laughs> well i'm just saying a lot of, a lot three of letter word for years and you know i'm trying to do things different i'm trying to do things that people aren't doing people don't think of people haven't done before um you know i'm, I'm trying to do stuff like that you know this this car giveaway thing it's crazy because you know, they were worried about us making money off of it. And we were selling raffle tickets, obviously. But the thing is, is we were making donations to Shop with the Cop program. Um, you know, uh, underprivileged kids. That don't yeah, have money where they to take them shopping. shopping stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we were we were donating a huge chunk of money to them. Uh, we were donating a chunk of money to uh, UMMAF for the, um, the Olympic qualifying matches for the underage amateurs. Right. I mean, we were putting mm-hmm. into a ton of different things and just stuff like that. We're trying to we're we're trying to reach different avenues that people aren't even looking at or people aren't attempting to reach. And we've got a ton of ideas that are going to be coming up here in the next few months. And I think we're going to do some things that are really going to turn people's heads. Well, you might not have the card giveaway this time, but I can tell you that I'm going to Ohio to get fireworks, and Cody's going to the fire marshal to get a fire permit. You will have an indoor fireworks show on Saturday, courtesy of me and Cody. And. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> That's awesome. No, no, so, no. We'll let's you, not. We're gonna send you a bill too. Yeah. Full full disclosure: <laughs> there will not be a fireworks show for me and Cody, but that would be fun. Uh, but no, uh, you know the fighter kit was uh, very interesting and stuff. Um, but fight week, I know, is always b- busy for a promoter. Um, so I appreciate having you for a few moments. Uh, me and Cody enjoy having you on here, and I can't wait to come out to the Delta Plex on Saturday and see this bad boy get up and going. Thanks. I really appreciate that. Before I go, I don't know if I'm even allowed to say this. Can I drop a bomb on the undercard and lights out agreement? Yeah, go ahead. So it sounds like lights out championships and the undercard radio are coming to an agreement on this first show in 2018 and all five of the 2019 events we have scheduled for them to be the exclusive green girls for our promotion. Ooh. So I look forward. I look forward to doing business Yay. all through 2019. Cody's Cody's not allowed to talk to any of them. <laughs> and um, look at him. It's actually it's it's funny. I was uh, I think it was this weekend. We were my my wife and I were driving home, and she was scrolling Facebook, and uh, she must have seen like I think it was a post that Cody put up about the Connor and Khabib fight. And with the saddest face, she looked at me. She said. I miss when Cody used to fight for you. (laughs) 
she's so sad about it. She she misses having Cody on the card, and I miss lubing the deals with them. It sucks, Lube. but <laughs> I miss it too. I don't get the lube deals anymore. There's like this is what we're paying you. <laughs> like, all right, fine. <laughs> right, you don't get to go to the promotion and say, "Hey, look at this is what I bring to the table. This is what you pay me." <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it doesn't. That doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're excited to work with you over the next year and a uh, couple months. And, uh, you know, uh, like I said, Cody, Cody's already telling me where to go in Grand Rapids, so I'm excited. Yeah, Matt, I got to believe, uh, you know, I think you put your heart and soul into this. And you really uh, you really one of the good ones. Uh, I said probably the best person I've worked with in this business. So, you know, I'm, uh, I'm wishing the best. And uh, if there's anything I can do or anything I can share, send it my way. Uh, I'll see you Saturday. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate that. All right. We'll see you, Matt, soon. That is Matt right, Friendo. Lights Out Championship happening this Saturday at the Delta Plex. Doors at 6. Uh, fights begin at 7. Um, I have to think that the magic that he had with his previous organization is going to kind of carry over because he was kind of the face of it anyways. You you dealt with the other promotion. I mean, I mean Matt kind of ran it, right? Everything. Yeah. yeah and um, so now he's just responsible for a lot more and – you know, no, that's the I'm way really, it goes. Yeah, I mean, I imagine he's probably just, you know, maybe have a couple other other things that he's got to take care of. Because, I mean, that was that promotion had been around for a long time. So there's a lot of, you know, gears that were already, right. you know, there that, you know, were probably pretty consistently happening every every show. You know, I'm sure, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, having been a part of that, I'm sure he knows to, who to get a hold of for all that stuff. But Matt's a good dude. He's a... Uh, he cares like he cares you know what i mean like i don't know many promoters that are really like i mean there's there's some good ones and i'm not dogging everybody and i'm not saying oh yeah uh, everyone i fought for you know what i mean because matt's not the only good one in michigan um but you know he's like one of those guys that he like he 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 might be the most passionate guy i've ever worked with as far as like in in mma like he really freaking likes his job he loves being a fight promoter he loves doing that stuff and uh, you know if you're gonna be good, if you want to be good at something, you have to love it. And he really cares about it, so I think he'll 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 do well. Uh, so I think we covered everything I wanted to about the Khabib Connor fight. Um, and Cody definitely had his input on it too. We will be back next week, and we'll kind of wrap up uh, Lights Out Championship uh, and what happened, and kind of what else is going on in the fight world. So we, we are gonna call it a day. And uh, see you guys next week. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, talk to you guys later.